When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Excuse me, Veronica. Yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome to the Pants Party. I'm your host, Harrison Starr, a.k.a. HD underscore Star. joined as always by Ben Ross, Renboss23. How are you doing, Mr. Chillabrew? I'm alright. I haven't been this hungover on a Monday in a long time. Um, that's my own fault. There's nobody, nobody I can blame by myself for... My sins. Uh, it's tough. Really, really tough work day today. Actually, I did a lot. It really, um, which is a huge bummer because usually I don't have to do a lot. I don't know. I don't know about you at your job, but I can. No comment. Out. It's kind of you know how maybe <clears throat> football coaches say they can hide players their weakness. I kind of feel like I, I can hide pretty easily. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but it was too Fair bad. Cause both, it was tough because both my bosses are out of town this week. So the people, I'm like the toddler who usually likes to hide behind daddy's legs. Has no has no more legs to hide behind. So <clears throat> weaknesses were exposed um, on <laughs> on Microsoft Teams on this Monday morning. <laughs> well, I mean, it goes one of two ways when your bosses are out. That that's how I find either you're able to hide even better or you get under the spotlight. And I'm sad to hear that it went uh, the latter direction for you. 95% of the time, it's like, oh, my boss is gone this week. I don't have to do shit. But <laughs> I, I guess now since me humble breaking, it's like now I'm sort of a, in a slightly <laughs> more posi- position of authority than I've ever been in my life, in my professional <laughs> career. <laughs> like, so now I'm kind of in charge of one or two things. So it, it's tough. Well, I, I I don't blame you necessarily because I you, you said you drink a couple or had a rusty nail ordered for you, and it's a drink that I've looked up probably a dozen times, and I immediately forget what's in it other than scotch because I just know this thing's disgusting. I never actually want to order it, but you got one. Was it your first rusty nail? That's the beauty of it, Harrison, because there's only two ingredients. It's scotch and grambouille. It's all booze. It's not even a. It's not even a cocktail. To quote my favorite show, Mad Men: Two ingredients isn't a cocktail. It's an emergency. <laughs> I mean, um, it is right because it's not even like they shake it or anything. They literally just put no. one alcohol and then the other alcohol, and then it's on ice. Maybe a lemon it, twist. I am very well versed with the Drust Nail because it's my father's favorite drink. He loves scotch. I don't like scotch to begin with. Excuse me. And not even is Drambrew is what is Drambrew? It's like licorice liqueur or something. Honey something. But it's also with scotch. So it'd be like Oh, you're doing, right, it is. I don't even know that. Ugh. 
That's yeah, 40% looked- ABV. God. Um, <laughs> it's an emergency, but. <laughs> so, yeah, that stunk. And that, like, I think I would, I maintain I would have been totally fine if I just didn't have that. But how many times did you say in the morning, that was my last drink of the night, too. It's like, how many times would you have been like, oh, if I just didn't have that last drink, I wouldn't be mopping my floors at 3.30 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's there's one particular shot that I've decided I'm never doing again after an event probably ten years ago now the starry night I just I just I, I learned in the spring of 2012 I guess it's nine years never again after having a couple of those that was the mistake it wasn't the first one it was the last one. So, you know, I went and I met some friends at a bar for the noon kickoff yesterday, and I was greeted with a shot. Can you – it's not one you make. It's, it comes from a bottle. What, can you try and guess? Well, I mean – What do you think I was served? The easy guess in Chicago is probably Malort. The, the one I, I, I would do – if I'm going to give a friend a shot that shows up on, you know, whenever it's probably for Nets. To me, that's, that's a great I one. Wish, I wish it was for Nets. For Nets is a classic stereotypical Chicago industry shot. Um, I had a shot of screwball, which is like this new peanut butter. It's not new. It's peanut butter whiskey. I would call, I bet, I bet they're drinking it the way we, maybe we or I drink fireball in college. It's not bad. It's a little sweet for my liking, but Fireball is really sweet. I didn't like Fireball. I yeah, I think I've had Fireball. I, I think the Fireball trend just passed me through the night. The the one way I would drink Fireball every now and then when I had my cider moment. You know, everyone has a cider moment, and I would do the Angry Balls, Angry Orchard, Fireball, and that would be my entry point into that. That's it. That that's one that you start a night with and not end a night with. That's for sure. I watched the Iowa game at a friend's house, um, out in the suburbs on Saturday. And, um, it was a nice outdoor situation. And a couple showed up with a six pack of not your father's root beer. And they each had one. I think we talked about this one or two weeks ago. They each had we one. And I, said, and I said to myself, that's the only one you guys are going to have. And sure enough, they leave and there's four not your father's root beers in, in my friend's cooler in his backyard. <laughs> Man, we we manifested that. That was wild. That was wild. I'm trying to think. My uh, weekend was not as eventful as yours. You know, just trying to get by. Normally the weekends are a delightful time because Elliot's off at daycare. You know, and then you, you get him again for the full 48 hours and then you send it back. But last week he was at home for five days because they had a positive test and you get to the weekend and it's like, this is going to be some combination of catching up, hanging out, yada, yada, yada. What, but no, it's just like, you're still not at the finish line yet with, with the daycare. And, and it's sad because like you love the kid, but. My dude, you uh, did not make the last five days of work any easier as much as I love you. But I I don't want to complain about my kid because he's overall pretty good. He's a good good one-year-old. Makes me laugh. I make him laugh sometimes. 
And today he had some ramen noodles, and that was a delight. Um, I'm trying to think. Do, do we need to discuss the Minnesota Vikings thing that came up? Was that part of the reason you had a rusty nail? Uh, I did. I only saw the... I really only saw the fourth quarter of the Vikings game. <laughs> um, I have sort of made it my mission to watch as little Vikings football this year as possible because I just think they're toxic. I put a lot of money on them under nine wins, and I wish I did it again. Um, I, went, I, went back, I went back before the season started because I did it like a month ago, like a month before the season started, rather. And then I went back like the week the season started and it went down to eight and a half or eight wins. I can't remember. I, I moved, put so much money on it. I moved the line. Um, <laughs> but uh, what did you want? I mean, it's, I feel bad for Alex Kirshner, who is a former SB nation uh, type writer for slate this week, this morning wrote about how it just feels bad for Mike Zimmer. And I agree. Yeah. Like, the Vikings are going to get rid of Mike Zimmer sort of because I think they're going to have to unless something weird happens. And he's, I think he's going to go on and be a great, continue to be a great coach. I just think this entire, I feel bad for him because the roster, has, he, he's at everything, every, he hasn't gotten any of his wishes out of our um, GM, Rick Spielman has but like almost like done the odd, like, you know, Zimmer said, don't overpay for a quarterback. Well, we're, Kirk Cousins, the second highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Zimmer, want, Zimmer wanted a offensive lineman draft in the first round. Too bad. We're going to draft a, a wide receiver again, which whatever, uh, or a cornerback. Or, it's just been really unlucky, and then I, I, I cannot stand our quarterback too. So it's, it's tough. It's what it is. I just saw the, the field goal and the radio guy thinking that the field goal had been made. It was a great – Great Twitter moment. That guy's name is Paul Allen. He's famous. I actually I used to intern at the radio station he worked at. It was good times. I will table that for later. Yeah, uh, I guess the one thing I did do doesn't even count as doing anything. I watched the Cowboys game because my son is named Elliot and he has an Ezekiel Elliott jersey. Because that's just how it goes. So I'm now indoctrinated into this this team that I somehow am. I'm just gonna ride the wave. Well, you so lived you speak. lived in Dallas for a moment. Yeah, yeah. I guess it was. Did, was it three years? It was, I guess it was close to three years. That was a long time. Wow. Wow. Meanwhile, I'm going on six years in Chicago, and I want the Bears to be shot into the sun. I digress. I, I, here's what happened. I, I'm a Packers fan first. like, And I went into a Dave and Buster's, the Des catch. I came out of it, and ultimately, it felt like I got away with an absolute heist. Now, the next weekend was the Seattle Seahawks game. And I was not well behaved because the way that game ended infuriated me and brought me to tears. And I realized one probably shouldn't watch that many games with that many drinks. And two, 
maybe I'm taking sports a little too seriously. So uh, that's how I stopped being so much of a Packers fan and watched a little more Cowboys. But anyways, they had the game-winning kick, and it was one of the all-time great calls, in my opinion, for a Week 2 game. Like, this game is meaningless in the grand scheme of things. But Tony Romo, it's like he's got just... He's holding Jim Nance's ankles out of the booth. He's like, tell me who's going to win. Tell me if he's going to make it. Tell me. And Jim Nance is like, ah, I can see it. It's like, that's not a prediction. That's not a prediction. And it's like, tell me. Ah, great stuff. I loved it. And I didn't do anything. I just watched that. So that was my weekend as I think about it. Cool. All the days run together, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> they just all run together. But what else sticks out was the Iowa win. 30-7 to over Kent State. And I don't know how to feel about it necessarily because obviously it's a win. It's good. Iowa continues to play football the way they want to play football. And I can't decide if that is a great thing or just there's always there's going to be something constantly lurking around the corner on this team. And we just don't know when the defense is going to give up 28 points. It could happen. You know, uh, Maryland could score four touchdowns at home on a Friday night. But ultimately, I got away with the win. And your main takeaway has been. Sort of main takeaways are, I mean, still upset with Brian Ferentz. I think said two weeks in a row he hasn't called really the best game. All of, you know, my – there's nothing I can say about the quarterback situation that I haven't already said. I mean, I, I, but at the end of the day, too, it's like what, Petrus didn't have uh, – not throwing in completion in the fourth quarter or something. Um, he, his completion percentage was at 70 you know, I, he's averaging five, five yards a, a pass, sure, but that – or he was. Um, but, again, I mean, there were two drops – or I mean, there was one drop and one insane overturn. So maybe that would have that raised his average to maybe eight yards, which I don't think matters. I – you know, he had a really nice pass for Ganey in the, in the third or fourth quarter that it was, you know, may, maybe his best pass of his career, which is so <laughs> – so so silly to say. I I think we covered. I mean, we won by twenty seven points. We won by three scores. The game was only close. The game was only closed for fifteen minutes. And if you want to say, well, they almost made it a two point game. If not for a goal line fumble, well, guess what? Like that happened. The, these don't happen. Like football happens in a vacuum. Um, and that's and like we've learned. To say I used to say this to my friends who thought I was lucky at, at playing cards or other other games. It's I'm too like too, and this is just me being cocky, but it's true. It's at this point you have to say this defense is too consistent to be lucky. It's too consistent to call the turnovers. It's forcing um, luck. It, it's the way they're coached. We've seen it before from Phil Parker, and now they've got you know two of the most dominating linebackers I can remember seeing, or at least one on Jack Campbell and. 
uh, Justin Jacobs is proving he could be something special. And then this defensive line is, you know, terrorizing. I mean, seven sacks. Iowa hasn't had that many sacks on a Kirk Ferentz team ever in a game. And that's, that's a metric we always go to for saying uh, to look at how dominating Iowa defense is and how successful the team is as a whole. Later on, we, I think we, we've arrived at 30 is sort of the magic number, and it's, it's reached that number in, in three games, um, which is pretty crazy. Uh, I, I think about I watched the entire Penn State-Auburn game, and it's sure maybe, maybe Penn State has a really fun and dynamic offense, but I, I think this Iowa defensive line would uh, attack it better than Auburn's did, which sounds crazy to say. I because I always thought the lines are always the biggest differentiator of talent between Big Ten and SEC, and uh, maybe that says something about Auburn too. But the fact of the matter remains is, I mean, what what more do you want? Would one more touchdown pass from Petrus made you made you happier? Like what what could you have seen? Like people are saying, you know. Iowa didn't steamroll Kent State. Like by by what metric did they not steamroll them? And finally, finally, what what grinds my gears about the people <laughs> who are trying to take away from this win is another two other college football podcasters um, on on the solid verbal. They have one important rule for teams advancing late in the season, and that number one rule is win your clunkers. And Kent State's a clunker. But I wouldn't even call the game a clunker because the, the, the way I would play it was never really out of hand. You know who didn't win their clunkers this year already? UCLA. Lost to Fresno State late on Saturday night. Texas lost to Arkansas. But maybe... Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then finally, <laughs> finally USC lost to Stanford. Like, they didn't win their clunkers. And now they're on the outside looking. I mean, all three of those programs have problems, but... <laughs> the, the fact of the matter remains is like I was three and zero and number five the number five team in the country and 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 if you're trying to say oh no way I was number five it's like sure but is Alabama number one Clemson Clemson put up 14 points against Georgia Tech um, Dabo Swinney I just heard him on the radio said that he they were totally and completely unprepared for everything Georgia Tech showed them on offense is like how they've been running the same offense. I know it's not it's it's not the same triple Paul Johnson triple Johnson, but it's close. It, it, it's wild, just how this is a sport, and I was finally it feels like playing ball. I, I think that that is a good point. Like you just just win the games. Like you can only play and win the games in front of you. And I always done that three times. They've got, I mean the. They've got three wins by 14 or more points against two teams presumed to be top 25 outfits coming into the season. Now, uh, I think, as we have said before, you specifically, Indiana's a little bit of a pumpkin now, but, you know, times can change. But you can only you can only play the teams in front of you, and Iowa's won. I think the the thing I would maybe counter that you said at the beginning was you didn't think Brian had a good game. And like, I don't think Brian's necessarily going to have a great game. But I think what I wanted out of the Kent State game was to know what they're going to look like trying to pass. And I think Brian did a really good job of like just running a lot of pass plays. I'm not smart enough to diagnose 
some of the things that went right or didn't right go right. Is Spencer Petras missing guys downfield that he should be looking at? I I don't know the answer to that. I do know that there were some breaks he had that didn't necessarily go his way, like that that first tunnel screen to to Tracy. Yeah, uh, I, I thought he had that. the lane. If Tracy didn't lose his footing, yeah, that'd be another good fifteen yard gain too. Yeah. And it's not necessarily about like trying to get Spencer Petrus to a specific number of yards per attempt. I think the number he's at right now is a very I I would like that to be like displeasing number. number. Yeah, okay. I thought it's you five point five. I thought you were gonna defend it for a second. Okay. No, there there's no defending that. But but to me that is a function of everything involved. And I thought Leah Van of the Gazette in her um dissection of the the 20 uh play drive she called him a pawn and frankly she and she said something that i don't think any iowa beat writer has put into print over the last x amount of years in terms of leveling the quarterback in line with every other single player on the field and I don't know how conscious an effort that was, but to me, I'm like, that's exactly what Spencer Petras is, is he is simply another guy asked to do his job and he's done it well. And it obviously starts with not throwing interceptions, not having any dumb penalties, getting Iowa into the right, getting Iowa out of the wrong plays, etc. So like, I, he's what he is. I'm under no illusion that he's going to improve, but I, I was pleased that they tried because that that was the most that was the most passing attempts he's had since the beginning of last year. I also thought Brian's third down play calling was a lot better. Um, I, I know I complained on this podcast about the third down play calls that he had on the fringe of field goal territory, and he had the one third down call that went to Goodson for a touchdown. Um, he had a tunnel screen uh, in the second half. I thought he was a lot better in those kind of situations, which was encouraging, but I was just not going to go out and have 550 yard offensive games. And when you're turning the ball over in your own territory that's part of the reason that there are not many points on the board. Because w- would we feel would we feel better about this if it was thirty-seven to seven? Maybe. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, or would we feel better if it was thirty-seven to fourteen? Like, I mean, that's just this team is all I want from Iowa football. Ultimately, is like to win the division more, and they've won nine straight games in convincing fashion playing the way they've played. It is hard for me to say this style with these players is prohibitive on Iowa's chances of winning a division when what what quarterback in the West would you rather have? Is is kind of what it comes down to for me. Maybe Tanner Morgan and maybe Adrian would, Martinez. It's funny cuz I was if we could have an if we could have a Kirk Ferentz coach, Adrian Martinez, or not a Kirk, but an Iowa coach, Adrian Martinez, yes, I'd rather have him. 
Um, I don't know about Tanner Morgan. I kind of feel like Petrus and Tanner Morgan are sort of the same player. But yes, yes, you're right. Wouldn't rather have Graham Mertz. I'll tell you that. Jack Cone Town, if we, if we can get him, yeah. <laughs> I don't want Brandon Peters. I don't want whoever Northwestern is going to I take Arturo Satowski in a heartbeat. Ah. Hell, I, I'll do it. Oh, there it is. I'll, I'll make that trade right now. <laughs> <laughs> Artur. But I mean, like, isn't that, I mean, isn't that ultimately the point is to, that's where, where I'm a little surprised Kirk Ferentz isn't a little more forthright. It's like, hey, you know, we had two bad games at the beginning of the last season. Neither of those were necessarily Spencer Petrus's fault. If everyone else does their job, he can do his job and they can win the division. Like, I mean, that's ultimately where it comes down to. I, I, but I can't sit here and say that like, Oh, Spencer Petrus is maybe he's not going to win any Iowa game, Iowa any games. But right now, what's he got to do for Iowa to lose a game? He's not losing. <laughs> Puberty. He's not. He's not losing us any games. <laughs> you you brought up. I was hoping we didn't have to talk about this, but you brought up a pet peeve that I just sort of noticed, or I started noticing for the first time this week, or in in the wake of the win. I think it's weird. What'd you say? I was won nine games in a row this way. I think it's weird when you count last season's record. I think it's a new year. I think that, I think that kind of, um, what's the word is a little reductionist of the situation. I, I think here's why I think it's fair because at the beginning of this season, we were both skeptical about what last season meant for this season for a lot of different teams. I think the first two top of mind were Indiana and Penn State, maybe Wisconsin. Were the, those were kind of the three where it's like, were those seasons actually good? Um, but the way Iowa's carried over last year into this year, I think is fair to frame it. I'm not going to sit here and... Uh, I am sitting here, but... <laughs> as I say that for like the fifth time. Um, But the way they've played has been consistent in Petrus's Petrus's time as quarterback. So yeah, it's not like their nine game winning streak is some feather in their cap, but it is an interesting way to judge how last year has carried into this year in a way that, it hasn't necessarily for other teams in a successful way. I do. It does feel a little different, at least for the Iowa team. It, it feels like everybody is back this year, even though obviously it's not true. Who's no, no, no Davion Nixon, no Amir Smith-Marset, but like Tyler Linder, Linderbaum, the quarterback's back. Goodson's back. Tyrone Tracy's back. Like all these guys, Amos Hankins, um, Kerner, Merriweather, it's just, it, it does kind of feel like the same team this year as last year, especially with, I mean, everything that happened, it kind of feels like, I mean, 2020 and 21 have blended together in, 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 in every other aspect of society, I guess. Um, so, so why not football? I just do think, like, I've just never, ever heard a streak referencing a previous season, I guess, in, in any capacity for, for Iowa or any other team. So I think it's just interesting. As someone who is lightly defending Petrus, I think it is weird that people are trotting that out as a way to defend Petrus or, or Iowa, the coaching at, lar- at large. So that 
that's a fair criticism because this time last year, through four games last year, uh, I'll say, hey, let's grant this Colorado State game a little bit. Through four games last year, I thought it was pretty clear that we know who Petrus is as a quarterback. Let's see what else is out there in a game situation. Now we've gotten to a point where he's so entrenched and he's not doing the things that would unentrench him. Like if he were out there slinging it to opposing defenses at the clip of Ricky Stancy, like I, I, I think people forget just how bad and how horrible a position Ricky Stancy put his team in time and time again. His nickname was Pick Six Rick. Yes. And people are clamoring for his return. So, like, <laughs> I always had quarterbacks put their teams in worse positions. The, that team was, like, truly like the cardiac kids, um, in part because of his play. Like, uh, they needed two blocked field goals to beat North, uh, Northern Iowa. People forget that. So, I always had bad quarterback play and won in spite of it before. I, and that's just kind of where I set. The ultimate thing that it's going to come down to is there will be two or three games where he has to make two or three plays in big moments, and you have to wonder, you have, in a way, you have to hope that all of the time leading up to those specific moments being starter helped him make that. And I think this has been Jonah's point for the longest time is like, Hey, given him all the reps that he can manage is the way to make him better when he really needs it. And I kind of, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm at. I mean, hard agree. I think at this point in time, it's absolutely crazy to, 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 to think Alex Padilla is going to come in and give Iowa a better chance to, to win games. It's just – I think it's an absolutely asinine thought. And, again, like we're just – we're um, – it stands with the one you brought, Brunya. It's like, of, yes, of course we want Spencer Petras to light it up, but he's not going to. We don't think he is. I don't think he is, rather. And – I mean, if he if he just keeps on playing the way he's been playing, I, I guess what, what makes you think that he's going to lose Iowa a game? That he I was he's going to cost Iowa a game? That Iowa can't, and furthermore, more importantly, that Iowa can't win more big games under his tutelage. So I just simply do not understand. I, I get maybe there's a sunk cost fallacy in there with people who are cheering for Padilla, but. Again, like this is Petrus's team now, and it's gonna nothing short of an injury is going to. Because I just don't think he's gonna make. I don't think he's gonna have a game where he throws three interceptions either. You know, um, so I just I don't get it. The the concern, and, and this is maybe the point you made about carrying over seasons, is that in twenty twenty he was put in a position where he had to come back on a couple occasions early in the season. And he just hasn't had to do that since then. Like he's been asked to just be 
even Steven for the most part. He had the rough, rough, rough first quarter against Illinois. But broadly speaking, he hasn't had to get into... He just hasn't been asked to play a brand of football that Iowa is not comfortable playing. Also, like, I feel like this isn't talked about, but when I was growing up, I was a lot more involved in football. Like, just as a a stats head, weird kid, nerdy kid, and people would always point to, like, an underrated stat for quarterback was how many different receivers they distributed the ball to. Ten different players caught a ball from Petrus on Saturday. When's the last time Iowa had ten players catch a ball? So it's like I, you, the criticism for him has been like, oh, he doesn't go through his pro- progressions or doesn't always doesn't look off his first guys. Clearly, that's untrue. Yeah, that I think that's part of why I thought Brian called an OK game was his concerted effort to get everyone involved, including the running backs in the past game. Um, I, I was pleased like the, the freshman. Oh, oh, and Bruce, they and they did try and get it to Johnson a couple times, and, and those were frustrating passes because, like, Johnson had done his job. Yeah. On appearance, maybe he ran the route a little wrong. But even if he ran it 10% wrong, the, the throw was uncatchable for, for him to make it. Um, and that's fair criticism, but... It, that also had this point. We just get so focused on watching Iowa and seeing the bad of Spencer Petrus that you you turn the dial westward to Champaign, Illinois, and Brandon Peters was horrible. Like I mean, we, we joke about all Bielema needs is like the Stocko line to win games, and Peters goes out and throws under fifty percent. That's not a Stocko. That's almost like the anti-Stocko. It's and also too. I mean, what if, what if Petrus is coughing up the ball like you know Ivory Kelly Martin? Like that that'd be one thing, but he's not even doing that, and I feel bad for him. But I don't I don't think IKM should really be getting any more touches, especially because I think Adam Williams can be pretty good. Um, yeah, it, it's just yeah he's not turning the ball over, and that's like the number one thing the Ferrets has asked for. So. I mean, that's the meta. That's those are the vegetables of it. I, yeah, let's vegetables wise. The twenty play drive that was genuine slog. I remember watching it in real time. I'm like, somehow they're going to score here, and it's going to feel like it's not even going to feel like cathartic. It's just going to feel like it's over. And what? And he had four third down converted passes on that drive too. So like, yeah, it's clearly not. He's clearly not a you know he's he's not a bad quarterback I guess he's clearly not bad. I think that's a good way to put it. Like it, he's not bad, right? And like what I said in one comment is like we through eleven games we had the really bad of Nate Stanley and the really good of Nate Stanley, and he really operated within that. Now Petrus, I think his really really bad is better than Nate Stanley's really, really bad. And his really, really good is, I think, a lot worse than Nate Stanley's really, really good. But you get rid of all that variability, and what you have here is consistency. 
And that's all Kirk Ferentz wants from any player on the team. That's so true. Yeah, I mean, just much lower floor, or much higher floor, but a much lower ceiling. And and that's fine because, well, because I think just this team overall raises the ceiling. The rising rising that lifts that boat. And this team is better than any Stanley was on. Yeah, I think he is. I think he is, which is weird. I mean, considering all the, the concerns that we had oh, coming into the talent, season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, crazy. how are they going to fill the defensive line uh, with eight players? Yeah. That's how. Mm-hmm. So, Ben, as we've done in the past, it's time for our tour of the conference. Um, I think first and foremost, the, the Burt Boat, man. It is – I'm – down bad for Brett Bielema. It's my vice. I need to get off this train. Yeah, it's tough. Um, <laughs> I was generally shocked Brandon Peters started to play that whole game. I really thought Sipkowski had sort of earned <laughs> earned the job. Um, that was such a bad – I I've, on Friday night I stayed in. and I mean, I was going to watch the whole game. I was asleep by 10, Harrison. I was up. At 7 a.m., I couldn't tell you last time I got nine hours of uninterrupted sleep in my entire life. I felt like Superman on Saturday. Um, so I didn't even see – there was a wild ending to the game. I saw it on YouTube or whatever on TV the next morning, so I didn't even see that. But, like, yeah, I think if you look at the box score, you would think Tagovailoa would have lit it up. But, I mean, he, he did on the, on the stat sheet, but they, they couldn't convert those all those yards into points. And – he was a little all over the place, and I, he didn't run nearly as much um, as I would have expected him to. I'm just a lot less worried on this podcast about Maryland than I was last week. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I, know, I mean, I, I, know. I, I think the thing about Maryland that with a quarterback like Tungavailoa, you just never know. Like, I mean, that is the opposite of the consistency that – Peters provides from ceiling to floor. Tungabailoa is completing 75% of his passes. Granted, a lot of them are easier. They have better athletes to do yards after the catch. They've also played, I think, worse teams. But he he can do stuff to, to make you hurt. And at the very beginning of the season, before like I started digging into it, I was like, ah, maybe this is kind of scary. Then... Second time, I kind of looked back at it, figured I was going to enter as a road favorite. They're really good as road favorites. You know, uh, probably going to win this game. But now I think you just kind of look at all the weird things. And and Maryland is the type of team that can they get to a 14-point lead early? And and then, you know, that, that brings us back to, hey, what does, what does Peters have? And then it's kind of, to, to your point, can you win a clunker? Because in some respects, Maryland is. Um, what else happened on... Uh, why can I not find this? Michigan Indiana, State. Cincinnati. Oh. That was... I, I think it's time to not necessarily bury Indiana, but definitely uh, set them off to the side. I think... I partially believe this. Watching that... Uh, I watched a lot of that game before the Iowa, Iowa game got turned on. Um, Iowa kind of broke Michael Penix Jr. He just doesn't 
at teams figured out how to how to defend him, and he just doesn't look all that great. It's a little sad, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I think Indiana was also like they Tom also Allen, dug their graves. Yeah, Tom like Allen, I mean, he's not a good coach. He's just not. Sorry. He he's a little Paul Rhodesy. A little bit. A little bit. Um, what next? Michigan hand blasted Northern Illinois, the the type of game that Iowa fans wanted. Sorry. Oh, um, also, how many times has Iowa lost to Northern Illinois too? So, like, why aren't you glad we just had a convincing win? Because we're no strangers to beat on the other other uh, to being upset by a MAC team. Yeah. No nitpicking here. No, but you got to be happy. You got to be. Uh, you don't have to be happy. You can be however you feel. But whatever. Michigan State beating Miami in convincing fashion. I threw. Is that a, is that a crossover? We're lucky not to have. It is. I think <clears throat> Michigan, Michigan State. They're going to be both teams are going to be five and zero. Oh, I think that's the same day of Iowa, or same weekend of Iowa and Maryland. Um, I really like when I watch uh, Michigan State. Is kind of fun to watch. This kind of Kenneth Walker already has five hundred yards rushing for three games. Uh, transfer from I think Wake Forest. Um, quarterback isn't great, but it, it's a punishing looking, you know, it's a strong Michigan state defense, um, defense and offensive lines are both talented. Um, I, I, I bet on Michigan state, I think I've bet on them two of the three weeks this year. Um, I, they're fun to watch and people are, aren't really, um, I mean, because it's only Mel Tucker's second year, and they were so disastrous last year. It's a whole new team, though. It had 40, 40 guys transfer in, so it's kind of kind of crazy to see that happen in front of us. And I like it. I think I think college. I think the Big Ten's more fun when Michigan State is good because it's just like they're just like the kind of. I feel like they're kind of like the Iowa of the East, who just kind of under the radar, under I guess in the shadow of three other teams, even though it's really just us in Wisconsin. Um, it's just it, are they hateable though? Like that's what They're has ha- me concerned I, 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 about been, Michigan State because it was so easy to hate D'Antonio, but now yeah. I think I like Mel Tucker. I'm in his shorts, is he wearing shorts? He hasn't worn shorts yet. He did have a towel over his shoulder the entire game in Miami. I think it was one. I think it was one. I think it was one hundred five um, <laughs> on the field down there, temperature wise. Uh, what was I gonna say? I, w- I was strug- I was refraining from saying dirt bags because I don't know anything about this Michigan State team. For, so I, I don't want to call them dirtbags yet, but I think it'd be, if I was playing against them, it'd be really easy to call them dirtbags because there's 40 transfers on your team, which, you know, if I was a little bit younger and if I was a player, maybe I might call that a scummy move. But nowadays I just simply can't be bothered to care about something so inconsequential. And they all want to play football. I mean, that's what everyone forgets is like everyone wants to play football. So like go they where you're going to play. Gonna... And last year was fucking weird. I, everybody last year was the edge of sketchier. You can do whatever the hell you want and not not uh, pay any you know dire consequences unless you did something illegal. I think that's the only thing that concerns me is that Michigan State is not dislikable. Um, Minnesota 30, 30 nil on uh, Colorado. That was kind of a genuinely shocking number. Mel Tucker's to see. old. Mel Tucker's old team. Uh, I had to Google when I wrote Big Ten Power Rankings this morning. I had to Google who Colorado's coach is, and it's some guy I've never heard of. He coached UCLA in the mid-2000s. Um, 
his, he coached for the Dolphins twice, not the head coach, but was on two different on two different times. So, you know, it was really good. I mean, whatever. Minnesota, it's crazy how they their uh, Curtis, their backup running back, it's just um, hasn't really missed a step after Ibrahim. Um, you know, they'll they'll be a, they'll probably be one loss when we face them uh, later in October or November. I can't remember when, but I'm I'm just not worried about the Gophers. I'm I'm gonna be worried about them until the game probably actually shows up and like Kirk is just feeling himself and decides to dunk on pajamas again. All mm-hmm. all time nickname. Um Notre Dame Purdue, I watched thirty seconds of this game and then stopped watching it because it was at a weird time. Uh yeah, I didn't watch any of it at all. I know Purdue was close or maybe even up in the first half, but RIP. Yeah. Ohio State, the uh, fifth best team in the Big Ten, um, twenty point win against Tulsa. But it see, here's the thing: Iowa beat Kent State by more than Ohio State beat Tulsa, and this is the point that you made. It's like you just have to win these games. Um, let's see. Oh, nobody's really mad about their win on elevenwarriors.com. So. It's just crazy. I do. I do think they're going to bench CJ Stroud. I think they're going to. Cause they have, I think they have two five stars on the bench. Incredible. I, I do think that that uh, he he's not going to hold on to the job. An embarrassment of riches. Rutgers over Delaware. We're not going to talk about this one. Then we have. Uh, did I get all of them? Oh no, yeah, Wisconsin didn't play you. The the because I want to get to all of no, them before no, 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 Oklahoma, oh, Nebraska, oh, okay. and Penn State, Auburn. Because those were two games that I watched in somehow pretty – I watched both of them for basically all of it. And I think we have to start with Big Nude Saturday. I didn't watch Did, a Were you able to watch any of this game? I, I didn't watch any uh, Nebraska. I was watching Michigan State because I put money on it. So. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I see. Nebraska is just, they're going to be a weird team to play until they're not coached by Frost anymore because they just are so up and down. And I think they're at the point where they play Iowa at a pretty high level. And they do just enough weird stuff on offense. And there's going to be the Oliver Martin stuff. And there's the potential that maybe I go to this game because why not? Um, But I I think... He didn't have a catch. Did he even play? We need to do some capital J journalism and see if there will be a fourth Big Ten school that Oliver Martin will transfer to. Is that a rumor right now going on? That is not a rumor. That okay. is something that I was joking about. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, do you know? Is he hurt or did he did he play at all? No. Like, I know he didn't have a. I don't think he had a catch in their second game either. I don't know anything about Oliver Martin, but now let's okay. go to um, Twitter. But anyways, like I, I just completely misread this game, and I think the lesson is that even a bad Big Ten team is still a Big Ten team in terms of kind of the line play aspect, the enough of the defense stuff. Like Nebraska really didn't get exposed defensively, which. Hey, I mean, you see them calling it the surprise of the century. Um, it, they they look fine, but how many more times can they look like that? And it still counts as an L in the loss column. 
I guess you can, because I watched, you know, Nebraska a little bit the first two games. I just don't think Adrian Martinez is lasting an entire season. And since I was the last team they play, I'm not sure if we're going to see him. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does look like Oliver Martin was injured the last two games. Okay. Um, so, so, sorry. That was a bad joke. I mean, Martinez had 17 rushes. You, you, yeah. That's just not, not going to work. It's not tenable. It, it's just... I, I think if you are a Big Ten quarterback, you cannot have more than 10 rushes a game. Almost any single game, you have to stay under you, 10. You can't have your quarterback getting knocked down 30 times a game. You just can't. It, it, it's unbelievable what they ask him to do because cause what... And this is kind of why I think he would be interesting in an Iowa system because he, he would be coached so much of what Iowa doesn't like would be coached out of him. And he would bring just enough of the weird stuff to keep you honest, running the ball and whatnot. And he's a little bigger than like Bethard. Well, probably less arms. Anyways, I'm not going to get into this weird hypothetical, but that that's the thing is like, he's just asked to do too much. And because he's asked to do so much, it requires another quarterback on the roster to be similarly capable at doing so much stuff. And that's why it doesn't work. Yep. And then the coup de gras, Penn State Auburn. I feel this is the team I felt the best about flipping the beginning of the year. Penn State, 3-0. and I think that the path is there for them to win the Big Ten East in pseudo-convincing fashion. They looked great. Some of it's the, you know, the cachet of Auburn being a, an SEC team. But you watched some of this game. What what did you think? I watched the whole game start to finish. Okay. First of all, awesome. Sweet. Great atmosphere. Love seeing that. Um, I don't think Auburn – I don't think Bonix is that great. I don't think Auburn's that great. Um, and I don't think their coaches are, I don't think Brian Harson's a great coach either. And Penn state overcame truly two of the worst officiating decisions. I've never seen a down taken away. Like that's unbelievable. (laughs) They just took a down away. And then the roughing or the, the phantom, what is it called? Ground intentional grounding. (laughs) Um, on on Clifford, uh, that came at a pivotal moment of the game. It's made, made it second and twenty five or something um, when they're trying to answer an Auburn touchdown. I, I be, but I mean that being said, Clifford's good. He's a good quarterback more than anything though. Um, that Johan Dodson or I can't, I don't know how you pronounce his name. It, it, unbelievable, incredible electric talent. A lot, so much fun to watch. And then Penn State, they've got playmakers. You know Joey Porter's son made some plays. Um, I think, you know, I, I really do. I, I really do believe this. I think I was got a better defense in Auburn. I don't think that's super unbelievable to say. I think, I think I was defensive line with sort of doing the things that I've seen them do so far as here would sort of have a field day against uh, Penn state's offensive line. Um, obviously though, I think Clifford and, and Dodson could really, really exploit. They'd be able to, you know, Clifford's the type of quarterback who can make plays on his feet. Um, he's smart. He's got a big arm. He's a really big guy. 
you know, their offense definitely can put up points. And all that being said, it was a great game. Uh, I feel I feel bad for um, Auburn's running back. He was just – I think he was screaming at Harson uh, getting off the field because they were dialing up after dialing up that um, that fourth down fade. Just unbelievable. Boneheaded coaching decision. Um, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think two things. One, Jahan Dotson – I just looked his name up to confirm. I think he's my favorite non-Hawkeye this year. He is mm-hmm. a blast to watch. Um, and Penn State plays, I think now, the most Iowa-like of any other Big Ten team, and it makes them fun to watch. Like, you joked about it, that he, Sean Clifford's running the offense. We want to see Iowa run. And it really kind of is, right? Like, I mean, it's still... Um, based in, you know, running the ball, line play. They use their tight ends better, as well as anyone. Yeah. Um, and they have just enough playmakers, and Clifford is – he's fun to watch. I'm glad he kind of turned a corner because he was very iffy last year. Um, I think Iowa was also – he might have been the first quarterback they offered from that class, which is was Petrus's class as well. Um, mm. So I just I just like watching them play. And I thought that, yeah, that was a fun game. But the reason I say they play a lot like Iowa is Auburn made so many freaking mistakes to come out and say, we're going to run the ball. And then the immediate, the first thing you do is run a reverse pass, someone who's never thrown a college pass before, put them in a position on the road. Like, I've, I've never felt worse for, like, a college kid than I did in that moment because he was asked to do something the weight was on his shoulders and he just couldn't do it. And I don't blame him. That was a dumb coaching move. And then, yeah, the, the fade. Why is that still a thing, especially on fourth down? I had forgotten about it because it's been so long since I've seen it done in pros or college. <laughs> I just think about Brady Quinn to Jeff Samarja. And that's like the only time it's ever worked. It never works on fourth down. Maybe it works on first down. And I get doing it on first down where you're or get we where you're afraid downs. of yeah. the interception. But to do it on fourth down, uh, so dumb. But that Penn State man, they're they're gonna be tough. I think um they have a pretty do they have a tough schedule ahead of Iowa? I think they might, if we're looking this up. It's only two weeks away, right? Or three weeks, rather. Three. three. Um, oh, it's... In, okay, so Villanova, Indiana, Iowa. Five. Hmm. God, they, they caught zero breaks in their schedule at Wisconsin, at Iowa, at Ohio State, at Michigan State. That's not going to be a fun... Oh, wow. That's tough. A fun final one. Yeah. Sorry, sorry Penn State. You you got that nice skate from hosting Auburn. Now go on the road to four schools. I get, that's just how it goes, though. Five home games. Five? That can't be right. No, seven. Oh, okay. I was counting yeah, the apps. Well, that brings us back to this week. Do we, Do you have any predictions for Colorado State? I... No, I really don't. Um, 
I think it'll be a lot like Kent State. I don't know anything about Colorado State. I don't think they're quarterbacks. I think I don't think they're as good as Kent State. Um, so maybe if Iowa can score two more touchdowns, great. Yeah, I think the thing about Colorado State is they lost to Vanderbilt. That's horrible. Oh, their head coach is Steve Dazio. You know, old friend alert. You know what I like to say about Steve Dazio? What? Never beat Kirk Ferentz. Yes. Ah, mm-hmm. there you go, mm-hmm. Ben. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. I'm. There are a lot of a lot of coaches like that. Sure. So are. I think the thing. I was looking at the S and P plus Bill Connolly's stat or whatever, and I was super surprised to see Colorado and Kent State right next to each other at like 96 and 97. I think Colorado State was the spot ahead of them. They're tilted more towards defense than Kent State, which I think was not illuminating but interesting. So I actually think what's going to happen is Iowa is going to do a little bit of the reverse of what they did against Kent state. They came out against Kent state, tried to get the ball through the air a little bit, get everyone involved. To me, this feels like, Hey, play a little bit into their own style, run first, run often over the top. This feels like a classic. If Petrus Petrus has it in him, I need to figure out how to pronounce his name. I don't know why. Commit to one. Um, throw over the top. Classic Stocko line potential here. If if he has it in him, we could see like a 14, 14 of 18. Maybe, maybe he uh, has a little higher yards per attempt. Maybe a couple more touchdowns. This feels prime for that. Yeah, I could see him having the game where we thought he was going to have against Kent State. Um, you know, I think maybe more than anything, I think our offensive line it took a sort of a a step in the right direction. I, I'm 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 hesitant slightly because it still wasn't as good as I think it should be. Um, but I, I I do I do like how we have one more sort of tune-up game, quote unquote, before we get back into Big Ten play for this offensive line, and I think finally we'll be able to get some consistency out of some other position groups, and I think it'll be a good, good a big overall. I think hope I'm hoping it'll be uh, another nice step forward for this football team because, um, I don't know, they need it. Yeah, you just gotta win. Like I mean, that that's when you're clunkers. Win your clunkers, uh, trademarked by Solid Verbal. Um, and when I looked at S&P Plus, seeing Iowa at 70 for offense, it was so frustrating. But I think this might be the game where like, we truly see them go from maybe more complimentary football to run forward, run as a way to make offense – but the problem is, like, Petrus is just so average as a play-action passer that m- maybe it does make sense to really try him out here and and see if he has that in him uh, ahead of the Maryland game. S&P Plus doesn't count defensive touchdowns, does it? And the, and the- no, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's... So Iowa's got the number two 
defense to Georgia. No surprise there. And then the number 70 offense. I did the math on the Twitter or the counting. There are like a dozen uh, power five teams with worse, worse offenses than Iowa, which is honestly more than I thought. So <laughs> good job by you uh, in that respect. <laughs> but Iowa needs to get like a lot closer to the middle. And I think this game, if they can be more shift their identity on offense a little bit, like I'm not even, I'm not talking 180 degrees, just maybe 15 to 20 degrees, go from a complimentary offensive football team to uh Hey, run it down the throat, get, you know, get Gavin Williams really involved. Um, maybe a third guy, maybe the wide receivers is a little more. Um, I, I'm curious to see if, if that's how, how they kind of attack them because I haven't looked at Colorado State at all. I'm just trying to set it up in my mind as to how you kind of Iowa can shift a little bit because the offense is just, it is a slog and there's no other way to say it. It's gotten the job, job done for three games just degrees more, degrees more. It's baby steps, Harrison. Baby steps. Hey, babies fall a lot, Ben. Babies fall a lot. Okay. So. All right. Um, <laughs> I'll remember that for when I have a baby in 15 years. Uh, well, I think that does it, Ben. Is there, is there anything else you wanted to cover? No. All righty. So, four. Ben Ross, Harrison Starr, Black Art Gold Pants, Go Hawks. Fuck State. Colorado State. Colorado. Yeah. yeah.